<laughs> well, folks, as for the rest of the story, he went down in his story. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game. I want you to say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, everyone. Can you say that? You can. What do you want to say in the microphone? Donald Trump's tweet. I recorded that before uh, before you got here with uh, with my daughter with my daughter. <laughs> Who has, who has no idea what a tweet is, but she heard me say it, so she, she repeated it. I thought that actually was Donald Trump. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, that's too funny. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my daughter wishing everyone uh, a, a merry Donald Trump tweet, I guess. <laughs> They're all merry. All Donald yes, Trump are. tweets are yes. ma- merry, or at least entertaining. Yeah. Okay, wait, here's what we're doing. Yes. I know it's the holiday show. Yes, and you're on, you're on your way to a Lionsgate shindig afterwards, and uh, I'm not. So. Now, I'm not really sure what celebrities will be there, I, I have to say, but because uh, uh, I guess maybe, well, you know, Ryan Gosling was- Ryan Gosling will be there, and Emma, you, Stone, you will, will, and Emma Stone will be there. Really? They'll both be there. Because Ryan Gosling yeah. was not, because I went to the La La Land premiere at AFI last yeah. week. He was not there. He'll be there tonight. By the way, the most the, here's the most remarkable thing about the La La Land premiere. Yes. Now, for the last... Have I mentioned I love that movie? Like, have, more than life itself? You have mentioned it's that. It's unbelievable. It, 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 is ter- it is absolutely terrific. Every single directorial choice that he makes in that movie is amazing. Like, every single one. I mean, every every moment in that film where there's where he could go this way or that way or some amazing way, he goes an amazing way. You, you know what I found interesting about that movie is that, um, first of all, loved it, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Emma Stone is a star. There's a shot towards the end of the movie, which I will not uh, tell yeah. anyone. It's a close-up of Emma, and her reaction at this close-up that I will not tell you about, I yeah. looked at that close-up and said, that's a movie star. Yep, absolutely. Now, Ryan Reynolds, he's okay. Gosling, Gosling. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, the, yeah the, not the Deadpool one, the other one. Yeah, uh, he's okay. I wanted Gene Loved Kelly. Him. I wanted Gene Kelly. Someone bright and fun like Gene Kelly didn't get that. He's kind yeah. of a dour guy. Anyway, so what I liked about the film, and I was, that, that surprised me, was that he wasn't afraid of the of of shooting in the dark, seeing the cracks in the asphalt, and, yeah. and having it look like the LA that is not necessarily yeah. always glamorous. Right. Like those freeway shots. Yeah. They were, I mean, it was a beautiful sequence, but they weren't quote unquote well, beautiful shots. It was like old cars and cracked. You freeways. know, it, the, the interesting thing about the film and we, I don't want to give it too much away, but it's very clear that Chazelle and his collaborators, but he in particular is enamored both of, and he has said as much, this isn't really a mystery, but in watching it, it is very much a pastiche of American in Paris and Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which spans decades and two different and completely different film industries and different approaches to musicals. But those are the touchstones here, which both films I love. So he's taking Jacques Demy and Vincent Minnelli, and he's kind of plugging them together in this amazing way. And you know what? It, and what it winds up doing is what American in Paris did for Paris, and what Umbrellas of Cherbourg did for Cherbourg. This basically does for L.A. And somehow mixing those two together 
gives he he somehow finds a, a different voice that speaks to this particular city in a way that I've never seen another movie do. I mean, the closest thing is L.A. Story, that has that almost um, that almost candy colored view of Los Angeles, and it's not a it's not through rose colored glasses, but it's it somehow finds it somehow is able, like you said, the cracks in the asphalt. It somehow finds the cracks in the asphalt, but then it shines a neon light on them, you know? And I, I just, I think it's a magical movie. By the way, here's the most magical part of the film for me. Yes. Now, as you might know, Wade, and I don't know if our listeners know, for five weeks, and I'm in the middle of it now, Yep. I've had to be work at five in the morning. Oh, my God. Now, I didn't even know there was a five in the morning. And this goes till when? This goes till December 9th. My goodness. And it's the worst of all time. Yeah. So I go to the La La Land premiere, a little nervous. Because I go to sleep early. Yeah. Because i got to be up at 4.25. Sure, sure. So the moment La La Land is over, I bolt out the uh, Chinese theater. Mm-hmm. I'm going to my car. I'm going to bed. So I'm walking out there. Now, they, they, they're they funneling everybody through one exit. Right. Sort of in the back. Mm-hmm. Right? So that, you know, 2,000 people don't flood onto Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. Those one exit to get everybody out. But, of course, since I'm one of the first dozen to leave, there's nobody in front of me. Yeah. Or very few people behind me. So I am going as fast as I can, walking as fast as I can, because I got to go. And I'm walking, and I am making a beeline for the street, and there is this woman to my right who is just about to hit me. Oh, my God, I'm going to hit this woman. It's Emma Stone. Nice. So, so Emma Stone was crossing me to get to the short little line of autograph seekers, and I swear to God, I was a probably... Three feet away from bumping into, because she was, I was walking very deliberately, and yeah. she was too, because she wanted to get to the autograph line, and I wanted to get the hell out of yeah. to get in my car. So two people walking very deliberately, right, are about are on a collision course. Three feet tops would have hit Emma Stone, and I turned around because I kept walking. I was like, oh yeah. my god, that was effing Emma Stone. Yeah. I literally almost ran down Emma Stone. Wow. That was the most memorable part of the evening for me. Very nice. Now the question becomes: uh, Will she be at the Lionsgate party tonight? Yes. Uh, she will be. Yeah, of course she is. Okay. So yeah. here's the thing. Yeah. So as you know. And Chazelle will be there too. I have not been more excited about a director since P.T. Anderson. I am more excited about him than P.T. Anderson. What? Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, because, I mean, I like Paul Thomas Anderson, but he's, um, Chazelle has, Chazelle has, Chazelle is more daring. I got to be honest. I think Chazelle. Boogie, no, Boogie Nights is not a daring film. It's a very daring film, but Chazelle takes chances and risks, and his sensibilities are closer to mine. He's not as dark as Anderson. He doesn't sort of, which, you know, has a, it's a thing. Uh, but Chazelle is kind of, uh, he's, he's a throwback. You know, Paul Thomas Anderson's a throwback to the 70s. Damien Chazelle is a throwback to the 60s. And in some ways, the 50s, which I find incredibly refreshing. And La La Land was supposed to be his first film. He wanted that to be his first film. Couldn't get it funded. Did Whiplash instead. Amazing. You know. Well, I mean, he, he used his capital the right way. All right. So should we, yeah. bef- 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 before we get to the, uh, yeah. uh, the uh, uh, holiday uh, so, DVDs and Blu-rays, yes. should we talk about the movies that we're watching for Lafka or not? Uh, yeah, for just for a second. Why not? I mean, we're going we're gonna to go on hiatus after this show. 
Uh, we've got a ton of giveaways today. You guys are going to go nuts. We've got lots of giveaways. Fewer interviews, more giveaways. We've got two interviews. We've got Alonzo Duralde doing his, uh, his usual little, uh, little bit for us. And uh, we've got a couple of really super cool interviews. And then um, we have a ton of giveaways, which we'll kind of go through as we go through the, uh, through the show. Thanks to all the uh, different companies that we work with. They have really given us, just uh, loaded us up on the giveaways. So, in any case, yeah, uh, uh, Tony Erdmann, the uh, German film by uh, Marin Ada, uh, which is, was a big deal at Cannes, and everyone was shocked it didn't win the Palme d'Or. Have you watched it? Uh, I was going to, but what I heard two it was... Two hours and 42 minutes of excruciating pain. I, I don't know what the... Everyone's like, oh, it's so funny and touching. Not funny, not touching. Stupid. I hated it. It's 162 minutes. It, and, it, 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 yeah, there's a little emotion at the end. There's like a moment, and, and, and I'm sorry. You know what? I, no, you didn't earn it. it the movie does not, does not get to have like a little moment with a little bit of music, and then I have to go like, well, was that worth 102 hours and 40 minutes that I've been sitting here and watching just horribleness? No. Okay. No, I, I reject it. So no, Mar- no, Maranata, no. Not, not on board with her, okay. uh, Tony Erdman. Okay, no one cares about that. The Warren Beatty film. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, how, how is not it? Not worth it. Really? No. So not, not I waited 20 years for that. Not in it, contention. It, it, only if the Academy realizes that this is that since Warren Beatty is yeah. a classic dither who takes forever to make yeah. a decision on anything, yeah. this is probably the last film he'll ever make. Yeah. He's well, seventy nine years old. Going out so of if they feel like they want to, if they feel like they want to do an Ennio Morricone and give it to him before he dies, sure. But there is no way they can justify I giving this anything. And I saw hidden numbers this morning. Oh, was that about the African American women? Figures who or whatever. Are, yes, the, the the three black women who were essential to the NASA space program, you know, then basically, look, here's a problem with it. It's, it's very commercial. It's going to do well with white audiences and black audiences. It pushes all the right buttons. But the problem is it is, it is every single one of these actresses has to wear the, you know, especially Taraji P. Henson, who is really good in it. And, you know, uh, but they all have to sort of wear the civil rights era on their shoulders you know, and they in every speech is practically like an I have a dream speech. And they don't get to almost really act and be characters through much of the movie because they're they're so sort of emblematic and it's just it's it's a crushing burden. The movie's just too it's too didactic that way. It I seems mean, like the help. I because I, 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 yeah, I, I don't like worse. the help. It's even worse than that. All the reservations that people had about the help are magnified in this. It's well, just okay. It's like, oh my gosh. And all the reservations that people had with the blind side are magnified in this. Don't like that either. And I like the blind side. But, but the only person who actually gets to act in this is Kevin Costner, and he's great. It's the best thing he's done in years. Yeah, I like that. He's terrific. It's absolutely terrific. So. Okay, so here we go. But it, but it uses the structure of the right stuff. That's the problem. You're like, and there's that scene from the right stuff. Oh, and now we're going on the other side of the curtain. I get it. And it's just sort of, you know. Do they hits. walk down the hall with the with, with the astronaut spacesuits on? No, but the they've music? got. But no, but they've got the uh, they, they've got the uh, the press conference where they who wants to talk first, and all the hands go up. It's like, oh my gosh. Well, I know that really happened, but don't you realize the right stuff did it better? And then you've got the Gus Grissom moment where it oh, starts taking on water, and you know the hatch just blew, and I'm like. Oh my gosh! Are you going to recreate every single historical moment that, from the right stuff? I believe they are. And then they and they basically do. And then the John Glenn flight, and I'm like, oh my gosh, really? You're just you're just you're, you're cribbing every major scene from the right stuff, and then you're kind of showing me a different room. Uh, whatever. Okay, so, I would anyway. like to tell you something I saw, but I cannot tell you if I liked it. Okay. So I went to go see Fences. Yeah. Which is uh, Denzel Washington's uh, like, all-time un- favorite. You're under embargo. 
Huh? You're under embargo? No, I fell asleep. Oh, you fell asleep. As you know, wait, and as I believe I said about 10 minutes ago, I have to be at work at 5 effing in the morning every day. So I was very excited to go to Fences because, oh for goodness. two reasons. Yeah. One, it was screening in my town. Yeah. Movies never screen in my town. Oh, yeah. I have to go into Century City. I have to go to Hollywood. No. I was very excited that it was screening a mile and a half away from where I live. At, at the Sherman Oaks uh, Arclight? At, at the Arclight. Oh, that's fantastic. I, Just down I, the street. I could not be happier. <laughs> Because it never happens. Stuff doesn't screen. Once a year, stuff, something will screen there. It's like being in New York, like at uh, you know, Broadway and 49th, it. where there are like eight screening rooms within a five-minute walk. It was it's fantastic. Best. And also Denzel Washington, my all-time favorite, he was going to be there. Yeah. So I wanted to see my all-time sure. favorite Denzel. Sure. So I, I, I said, okay, I can stay up for this, right? Yeah. It's right down the street from me. It's starting at 730. It'll probably be long. Could be a problem. You know what? Going for it. Go I for sat it. top row yeah. in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> but what I saw seemed very good. And then what really pissed me off is that I could not, I couldn't stay for Denzel because yeah. I was just too tired. It was just yeah. not going to happen. So I left. But luckily, as I was walking out the door, I saw Denzel sitting on a sitting on a mm-hmm. bench in the lobby eating popcorn. And I just walked right by him, and yeah. I was kind of happy there. And you're a big fan of Jackie. I think it's I think it's great. I think it, that it's movie, very good. It's, it's very just, good. I, it's I one have, of my favorite films of the year. That and La La Land, two my yeah. two favorites so far. I have some I have some issues with it. My favorite films right now, I got to be honest, is like Sing Street and La La Land. I just want to hear songs all day long. Sing Street might get uh, you know a score from us. Yeah. Although you know what? It's not the, La La Land. It's not La La Land. And I and I saw um, uh, I, I saw a movie with my daughter the other day. What movies do you like? What movie did we see the other day? What movie did we see? What movie did we see on Friday? Moana. Come on, in the microphone. What was her name? Moana. Did you like Moana? Uh Uh-huh. And there you have it. That was, uh, I recorded that earlier too. Moana, saw Moana. Good songs. Good movie. Really liked it. I didn't have any interest. Script is, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it, the script's a little bit of a mess. There's like three writing teams and an individual, so there's, there's four separate entities that were involved in That's always the a good sign. And it's, it's just, it's all over the map. It's just a hodgepodge of ideas and concepts and stuff and throwing in set pieces that come out of nowhere for no reason. And uh, yeah, it, it's really kind of a, a narrative disaster. However... The songs are good, the characters are great, the message is wonderful, and I still had a really good time. So all the good stuff is more than enough to outweigh the bad. It doesn't I mean, clearly it has problems, but you just don't care. But Disney's having this odd moment, and I don't know if it started with Tangled, it, or maybe... That was it, yeah. It, it, well, because, because what happened was that um, when after the, after the Pixar acquisition... Um, Lasseter was then put in charge of all of Disney animation and he created a new animation division, the Disney division, so that Pixar wouldn't be, so that Pixar could continue to be autonomous and do Pixar type stuff. And then the Disney division was structured just like a Pixar. It was like a, a mirror of Pixar, but they would do more standard Disney fairy tale type fare, right? So Tangled, Frozen. Moana, you know, and on and on and on. And, we'll, we'll, and that's, that's now their charge. But it's basically run very much like Pixar. What's it called, Dixar, because it's Disney and Pixar? Well, that is, that is just cruel. That's not a holiday spirit. All right, so All here's right. the thing. So, I so want, yes. by the way, did you see um, those mm-hmm. two Isabelle Huppert films, L and... I have not uh, seen L. I'm going to watch L later tonight. Okay. And uh, I'm going to watch something else later tonight. It was uh, Things to Come. Things, I have not seen Things to Come. Is it good? Um, 
Yeah, you know what? I, I realize you have to watch the two straight French, contemporary French films, yeah. that the French are really messed up. <laughs> All they do is sleep around. Oh, we've been married 25 years, and now I'm, um, I'm leaving you for a younger woman. Okay, I think I'll sleep with him. Oh, you sleep with him, I'll sleep with her. She'll sleep with him. I'm leaving you, going to him, him, her, him, her. All, all they do is sleep around, and nobody cares. <laughs> and I have a French girlfriend, and I'm like, um, should I be worried? <laughs> Are you just like going to suddenly decide that you're? Yeah. Here, here's the thing with French people. That I, yeah. uh, by the way, this has nothing to do with the holiday show. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've been talking to my French girlfriend mm-hmm. who lives in Paris. Yes, don't ask. Long story. Yeah, about dating. Now yeah. in Paris or in France, they don't date. I know. I told her so. In America, you meet somebody. You say, "Would you like to have a have a drink on Friday night?" They say yes. You have a drink if you like. The other person, you you know, you, you call them two days later, and you ask them out for Saturday night, and then maybe after that you get a kiss or something happens. She says, in France, we don't do that. You meet somebody, maybe even that night. Maybe even you sleep with them that night, and that's it. You're in a relationship with that person. You are committed to that person. You might be committed for only a week yeah. or for a month or for a year, but there's no courting. You meet them. You sleep with them. They are your boyfriend. The end. <laughs> could last for a week. Could last for a month. Could last for a year. Could last forever. Yeah. But they just like to them. There's no dating. There's no courting. It's like we're in a relationship now. Period. And um, I, I it's, don't know. It's that's very strange. U- I don't know. That's universally true. But yeah, I, it, it's look. You know, very strange. I've seen enough French movies. So anyway, uh, let's get busting here. Let's get uh, let's get cracking. Okay. How so, long did it take us to for us to talk? Like about fifteen it? minutes. Okay. So um, we're going to do our first giveaway here in a moment, and uh, we're going to talk about some some new movies, uh, contemporary films, stuff that's been in theaters that are out in some really great editions that are timed perfectly for the holidays and for gifts. And uh, all of our giveaways, email us at gods at digigods.com. I'm going to give you a name of a, a word to put in the subject line, please put your name and your mailing address in the body of the email for all of these. And anybody can, you can send us, you can apply for, or apply, you can send us an email for all of these contests. You can, you can be part of every contest, but nobody wins more than one. So you can't, one person is not going to win more than, you know, one of these. So you, as if, far as you know, well, basically if multiple, let's, let's put it this way. If, honor system. Don't it's an honor system. To use her, her if you address. send in, if you send in like five emails for five different giveaways, and you win one of them, uh, you're automatically disqualified from the others. So let's put it that way. Um, it's but the honor system, folks, donate your girlfriend. So anyway, right off the bat, we are going to be giving away one copy, one Blu-ray of uh, Jason Bourne. The uh, the latest in the Jason Bourne series. The movie, of course, is called Jason Bourne, out on Blu-ray, DVD, and uh, ultraviolet combo in this set. Uh, you want to go send us an email with the word Jason in the subject line and name and address in the body. Uh, so we're going to be giving away one. And by the way, the deadline for this is December 4. December 4 is the day that we have our LAFCA vote. So this is a, these are long giveaways. December 4, December 4, market, and that's when we will decide who wins all of these, and uh, everything will be given away thereafter. Uh, Jason Bourne, did you like it? You know, it's funny. I, I did not think that there was a place for Jason Bourne in the spy firmament. There's been so many films like it, before it, after yeah. it. But Jason Bourne is sort of its own thing. It is its I, own thing. I, I like I, it. I feel like it stands apart from the rest, from the, the first three it's sort of like a, a, a resetting in a way, but uh, 
You know, like I don't need this movie for the first three films to actually work together as a trilogy. You know what I mean? I don't need it. No, just like I don't need the Jeremy Renner thing either. I don't. I like that film actually. I think I'm the only bad. one. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's fine. So anyway, uh, a lot of special features here. Most of it featurette stuff, but uh, you know, Tommy Lee Jones is terrific, and it's uh, it. You know, it just Tommy Lee Jones being in this thing, it feels very uh, fugitive-y on a certain level too. So that's Jason Bourne. We're giving away Jason Bourne. You know what else we got here, Mark? What? We got the Secret Life of Pets. And uh, my daughter, uh, we took her to see this. We actually paid to see this, by the way. Paid to see this. Did not see it originally. And uh, I can't say she really responded to it, but she loves Gidget. This little, this little, this little white dog right here. That's Gidget. She adores Gidget. So uh, yeah, this this film's kind of all over the map. It's very loud. And kind of obnoxious, but uh, it made a ton of money. And these are the guys who, of course, did Despicable Me, and this is their uh, their latest uh, shindig. It's got three mini movies on it. You can get this in Blu-ray or uh, 4K. 4K looks shockingly sharp, but the uh, the Blu-ray is uh, perfectly acceptable. And uh, the idea here is that there's you know it's a it's very much a a, a an adventure story, right? I don't want to uh, get into too many details, but it's you know. Dogs run away, and there's a whole adventure in running into renegade dogs, and you know, love with the ownership, and then there's like the you know the gangster dogs that live in the sewer, and there's a whole thing. Anyway, uh, but uh, you know, it's it's what animals do when the master and the owners are away. Cute enough. Not my favorite animated film of the year, but it's uh, it is sufficient. Are we giving this away? No, we're not giving that. Are, away. Wait, are you giving that away? No. Oh. No. Well, the, the Jason, Bourne I, was, Jason Bourne was the giveaway. Well, I thought you were giving that away, so I didn't want to say what I thought of Secret Life of Pets. Oh, well, go ahead and say Secret Life of Pets. Say, say what you think. It was terrible. Okay. <laughs> it was so disappointing. For like the first seven minutes, you're like, this is exactly the magical thing I was hoping it would be. Yeah. You know, pets acting as I, yeah. as I think they would act, some bubbly candy. And, and then it goes off on a total weird thing. And it just, they're in the yeah. sewers and they're beating each other up. Yeah. And you're like, are you kidding me? This is yeah. going, this is terrible. Yeah, I know. I was very disappointed. Yeah. Um, less disappointed uh, I was in The Jungle Book. This is another surprising John Favreau success. I, I, I didn't love this as much as, I, uh, as other people did, but. When you heard about a live action or a you know kind of a live action Jungle Book, you mm-hmm. thought, oh, this is just Disney. Yeah, you know they're cashing in, they're doing live action Beauty and the Beast, they're doing all sorts of live action uh, versions of their animated classics. But this one is good. The kid is good. The CGI is very good. The story is resonant. It's got Bill Murray doing one of the voices. And I have to say, I was very surprised. It's very well done. And this, of course, was released uh, you know, a couple of months ago, but this is the collector's edition in 3D, which is, is pretty well loaded up. Nice lenticular cover, which we used to make fun of when there were tons and tons of them. Heaps and heaps of extras on here. So, uh, you know, it, it, worth double dipping? Yeah, probably, I guess. Maybe. If you love the film that much. If you love the film. It is, it is quite an achievement. Uh, and then we also have Finding Dory, which my daughter absolutely adores. Uh, I, act, I have to make Dory uh, talk on a regular basis. It's a long story, but uh, we, we have a lot of Dory episodes around here. A lot of bath toys and uh, other Dory toys. Everything's about Dory. And she cried first time we took her to see this. She cried and but wouldn't leave the theater because she was just so attached to the whole character and the, and the narrative. So Finding Dory, I think in many respects, better than Finding Nemo. Uh, they've really found a way to kind of take this character and do a do it give give her her own adventure, and of course, uh, it's you know a lot of all the same returning voice cast primarily. 
uh, Ellen DeGeneres and, and uh, you know. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, uh, Albert Brooks. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yes, a different kid doing Nemo, though, because Nemo's like 25 years old now or something. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, and, and new voice casting, and, you know, great. I mean, the, the, the seals, fluke and rudder, and it's, it's a lot of funny stuff. Becky, the bird, it's, it's really sweet, really cute. Dory having to find her parents, a lot, of, uh, a lot of good stuff. Great bonus stuff here. This has the Disney Anywhere uh, um, digital copy system on it. And um, I want to discuss that more in the future, by the way, the, the whole Disney Anywhere versus Ultraviolet, and if people use Voodoo versus uh, Flickster. I'm, I'm curious as to how that all shakes out. Can we talk about the fact that I'm disappointed that Pixar has decided to sequelize every film they do? Yeah. Well. I was hoping Pixar, except for the Toy Story films, I was hoping they would be they would go against the whole yeah. you know, sequel you, you thing. Would, you, it would have been nice. But. Finding Dory, yeah. Cars 2. It's just, there's too many sequels. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of sequels, yeah. um, you know, uh, before I came here, I have to admit something. I was flipping the channels. Because on the weekends, all I do is sit and watch television because I'm so goddamn tired because I have to be working at 5 a.m. Uh, that I was checking out Attack of the Clones. I think it was on TBS or something. So I was uh, checked out Attack of the Clones. That movie, terrible. All the prequels, terrible. Right? So I'm like, you know what? I think the world really did need The Force Awakens. I think that The Force Awakens was a bit of a reset. A it bit awakened of palate, everyone? It was a palate cleanser. It was a reset from the terrible prequels yeah so with that in mind we have star wars force awakens in 3d this is the uh, collector's edition does the 3d look good uh sure it doesn't really enhance the experience for me but you know i i am not a big fan of 3d generally speaking but it looks great it's a great transfer 3d or no 3d this is a four disc set this has a uh, audio commentary from jj and he's great you know, he's very honest about what worked and didn't work and what he attempted and what he succeeded in doing and what he might have failed slightly at. And, we, and that kind of honesty is really welcome and just terrific. There's a bunch of featurettes about making a BB-8. And, uh, you know, they were rolling camera. Like, as opposed to the original Star Wars, where whenever you saw any behind-the-scenes still of the original Star Wars, mm -hmm. it was like you were always like, oh, my God. It was like manna from heaven. Yeah. Here, there was just hours upon hours upon hours of digital, beautiful 16 by 9 behind-the-scenes footage of the yeah. making of this movie. That it's like there are no secrets to the making of this movie. None. In fact, you know what else there is in that film? Uh, Star Wars. No, I'll tell you what else is in that film. Donald Trump's tweet. That's right. That's what's in that film. You love that. Oh. <laughs> Freaking kid. Ridiculous. <laughs> so anyway. Anyway, four uh, discs on this thing. If you already have The Force Awakens, do you need the 3D version? I, I mean, I, I don't think so. I have no interest no. in 3D. Uh, and the original uh, Blu-ray has plenty of extras. It's a nice set. It's a really nice yeah, set. Yeah, it's got a nice cover nice. to it. But, uh, you know, look, if you, only if you want to see this thing on your shelf and show yes. it off would you want to get that. All right, we've got more giveaways. Uh, these are movies we've already reviewed, but Magnolia was so nice. They have provided two copies apiece of three of the films that they have in contention for awards. And uh, I, think, I think all of these are going to get probably a, a fair amount of love. Uh, they're all very, very good. Uh, one is Terrence Davies' Sunset Song, beautiful period drama around the time of World War I. Uh, the other is the documentary Sunshine Superman, which is about the guy who created base jumping. And the third is the uh, documentary, Steve Jobs, The Man in the Machine. Uh, we've got two Blu-rays of Steve Jobs and then two DVDs apiece of Sunshine Superman and Sunset Song. 
that we are giving away to very lucky people. So uh, you want to go ahead and send us an email with either jobs in the title, jobs in the subject line for the, uh, for the jobs Blu-ray, or sunshine in the subject for uh, Sunshine Superman, or a song in the in the subject line for a sunset song. You're making this up as you go no, along, I'm not. aren't I, you? I, no, I'm, no, no. I wrote all this down okay. so that I wouldn't wouldn't miss it. So jobs, sunshine, and song. Jobs for Steve Jobs. Sunshine for Sunshine Superman and Song for Sunset Song. So uh, we've got two pieces of those, and the Steve Jobs is a Blu-ray. Go ahead and send that to us, gods at digigods.com. Uh, some very lucky people will win these. Six people will win out of this. For being so, for being so lovely to our listeners, and thank you to Magnolia for that. Um, a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, cool anime, by the way. A lot of anime that we've covered in recent weeks, but there are, there's some really, really cool stuff. There's some great gift boxes. Um, this is uh, the uh, box set for uh, RWBY. Uh, I, I, am, I am only vaguely familiar with this. This is volumes one through three of RWBY. And uh, super cool animation. It's got a huge following. This has some cool behind-the-scenes stuff on here, uh, featurettes and trailers and audio commentaries. Uh, it is, uh, you know, this is one of those, those teen hero things. Uh, if you if you like anime that centers around you know teenage heroes, then that's you know that's this is right in that vein, and it's really really cool animation and it's worth checking out. And uh, that's released from Cinedime. And then the other one uh, from Funimation. This is uh, this is one of those great mega apocalyptic sagas, Seraph of the End, uh, season one, episodes one through twenty four. This is a giant cool collector's edition. Uh, it is, this is, an anime fan will just die if they get this. It's DVD and Blu-ray combo, uh, regions A and B, fantastic. You're going to love this, absolutely going to love it. Uh, any anime fan will just go completely through the roof on this. So, you know, it's a, it's, that's another nice sort of um, legendary, epic, saving the universe, saving humanity thing. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. So, I find all Seraph, these anim- of, Seraph of the End. I find all these an- anime films have stupid names. Well, they're not stupid. It, 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 I think something. Seraph little, of the end. Yeah, it's it's a little. Let's take this noun tra- and this noun. <laughs> it's lost in translation a little bit to some degree. Um, so now would probably be a good time for our first little tidbit. I had the privilege of speaking with uh, Dennis Doros of Milestone, who is one of our dear friends. And Milestone uh, has, you know, they are they basically Dennis and his wife. They are, they run the operation. And they are film archivists, and they are superb, wonderful, brilliant people who have saved so many great films and who are responsible for preserving such a huge part of our, uh, our American cinematic legacy. And, uh, you know, we, we gave them an award at LAFCA some years ago, and uh, I thought it was a good time to talk to Dennis because he is part of the, the, the people who have all kind of joined together for Filmstruck. So uh, I wanted to find out, you know, Dennis, how did he get involved in Filmstruck and uh, what, what else is on the table for Milestone? So here is my interview with Dennis Doros. We are privileged to be speaking with Dennis Doros of Milestone Films, one of our longtime good friends, a good friend of, of our podcast, good friend of the L.A. film critics, good friend of film lovers, everywhere because you guys do what so few other people do you make it a labor of love and you go out and you find those movies that uh, that you you would only find if you're just passionate about movies 
talk just for a second about what is it? I mean, you guys run a small shop. You you are you are basically a, a two or three person operation, pretty much, right? The two, the two person, person with my, my wife, wife Amy is the president. president. Uh, talk about what makes Milestone tick. Just, just perseverance, really. Um, we're not looking for the major films because we really can't compete with the Criterions and the studios. And that's not really our interest. Um, primarily since 2007 when we released Killer Sheep, we started looking for films that weren't represented by Hollywood. Um, LGBTQ films, um, African-American films, um, Native American films, films that have fallen out of um, history's memory. The critics have stopped talking about them. The historians never wrote about them. We're trying to find films that have been lost. And, and you do an amazing job. I mean, uh, you know, the Shirley Clark stuff comes to mind, which is historically so significant. And yet, if it weren't for you guys, I think people might have forgotten about her and her films entirely. Yeah, it's, it's really, really funny, funny because, because growing up in the 70s and 80s, Shirley, Shirley Clark was a no known name. name. And, and I, I took it for granted that... Um, she, she was, was she, she was, was uh, around that people did remember her and I just, I just turned to Amy one morning and said how about if we do Shirley Clark and that was nine years ago and we've been restoring and looking at her films ever since um, really we realized as soon as we came up with this I started checking the books to find out what I could uh, learn about Shirley and there is one chapter in uh, Lauren Rabinovitz's book, and there's nothing else. There's no books about her. There's no um, booklets about her even. When you can find a hundred mo monographs on, let's say, Stan Brackage, there is zero on Shirley Clark. Hmm. And, and, you know, you guys have also been uh, kind of the, the cutting edge lately on bringing attention back to the L.A. Rebellion, which is, is very meaningful to me because I, you know, I went to UCLA Film School just not too many years after that really started. And for those who don't know, the L.A. Rebellion was a group of, of black filmmakers at UCLA who, who kind of created something of a small new wave uh, in black independent filmmaking. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a really big deal for UCLA film students to kind of come in the wake of that. And um, it's largely kind of fallen a little bit below the radar. So, you know, what is, where does that sort of fall in for you guys? Well, that all started meeting Ross Lippman, the uh, UCLA archivist at the time, in 1999, and just simply asked him, what are you doing, what are you working on? And he said, killer sheep. I said, I'd be interested. And a year later, he introduced me to Charles Burnett. There's a long involved story about that, but we won't get into it. But coming away from it, he said, I want you to do my films. And it took seven years to release killer sheep. Everybody knows that it took a while to clear the music rights and to get the money to clear the music rights. Uh, thanks to Steven Soderbergh, Turner Classic Movies, gave us a lot of money to help. Um, it, we did it by hook or crook, and that really started it. It was mainly, not only with the brilliance of Charles Burnett, I think he's one of the two great directors we've met in our lives, uh, both as directors and as human beings, but also what he told us about UCLA, um, starting with Alcio Taylor, who was the person who really was bringing in the African-Americans, the Latinos, uh, to say, make your own stories, skip Hollywood, do what you think you should tell. And he really was the inspiration for it. He, of course, he got fired a few years later uh, for doing just that. 
but um, he really was a motivator. And then we did a film by accident, Chalk, by Rolando Klein, something that a film few people have uh, remembered we haven't been successful in bringing that back yet. But uh, he's a Chilean Jewish director who did this wonderful film in Mexico. And he too told us about Elsie Taylor. And that started us thinking about all the other filmmakers, Julie Dash, Billy Woodbury. And when we released Killer Sheep, the enormous success of it really brought about such publicity that all the other LA Rebellion filmmakers and students started calling us. And so we started getting a list together of them. And when UCLA was ready to start re their research, I had a great contact list for them, where everybody was by then. I even had um, the phone numbers for the kids who are in Killer Sheep. I know where about eight of them live now. Um, we were getting contacted by everybody. That's great. I mean, you know, now that Daughters of the Dust is getting a re-release and its restoration, I think everybody's kind of paying attention to the to that group again, which is which is great. Billy Woodbury was was at UCLA when I was there, you know. So we had we had kind of there was a little bit of the lineage connecting one generation to another. Oh, um, well, next on the list is Bless the Little Hearts. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. That's that's a, Great film. Something I've been promising Billy for a long time now. Well, that's great. He's such he's such a great guy. Yes. Um, talk and talk now also about Filmstruck. I mean, this is this has got our listeners completely in a tizzy, especially now that there's this this tease of a delay. It was supposed to be uh, uh, officially launching a couple of weeks ago, and you know, then they said, okay, we want to get it right, so it, it's it's a little bit delayed. But everybody's really excited, not just because it's TCM, not just because there's that Criterion. Uh, package on it, but because it includes companies like Milestone, because they're you know suddenly now we can actually we can we can find all the little films that you've been finding, and we can do it in a in a in a, in a streaming environment. Could you talk for a second? How did you get involved in Filmstruck? That was really easy. We've been working for Turner Class Movies, I think, for nine years now as consultants. And Charlie Tavish, the programmer, has been a close friend. For way longer than that. Um, we see each other socially at times when he's in New York or when we're in LA. And we admire him and what he's done at Turner Classic Movies tremendously. And so when he contacted us and said, we're doing this site, it's not only that it's first class all the way, that they do everything so perfectly. Uh, if you ever go to their festivals, if you go to their cruises, just watching their stations, they are really attentive to detail and perfection, or as close as it, they can to it in a uh, classic film world. I was excited about that. They are also the only outlet that is paying a fair price for films. And that may be dull to your listeners, but we have spent 50000 to $200,000 on some projects to get paid a fair price for what our investment has been, uh, it means that we can keep going at least through the end of the contract, which is four years. So we are very excited not only about having this platform for the viewers, but also a way to support continuing restorations. And that's where Filmstruck is different from all the other sites, which I love. I mean, I watch Pandora. I take, I get things from iTunes. I even have a Netflix account mostly for my son. But <laughs> Um, this is going to be a place for anybody who loves film and wants to see things you can't get anywhere else. I, I and I've been mentioning as well to the listeners. You know, I, I beta tested it for about two months. Uh, you know, midsummer, 
and I was just I was floored because it was it was almost like discovering it was it was like going from uh, the original personal computers to the Macintosh the way that it just worked the way your brain works I, I it was the same kind of a thing it was suddenly I went on and I thought this is this is exactly how my brain works it's it's got all of the kind of the curation that I want to help me sort of find what I feel like watching. It was amazing. Well, that's really great to hear. I mean, the other thing, I should mention Criterion. Um, Peter Becker and Jonathan Terrell have been friends forever. I knew their fathers before uh, they came to the company. And they have always been first class, too. And Criterion is such a great company to be associated with them. Um, as friends, as business associates is a great thing. See, and that's, that's the thing that I, I really appreciated with Filmstruck was that all of these companies that we oftentimes think of as maybe being competitors, you're really not. You guys are all sort of feeding, you know, the, the, the appetite is never satisfied. There's never a day where I say, well, I've watched so many Criterions, I really don't have anything, any time or any appetite left for, for Milestone or for Kino or, or TCM. No, I want it all. <laughs> you know, you, you, if you have the more of one you have, the more of the rest that you want, and I think you guys are going to help sort of feed each other in that way. I think that really helps uh, being films interconnecting films that, like um, for example, we have Come Back Africa and Killer Sheep. The film in the middle that was inspired by Come Back Africa and inspired Killer Sheep is Black Girl. There's Men and Ben to have those three films together, so you can see the progress from Come Back Africa. To black girl to kill her sheep is really important, and you can only do that on film That's that's a great point. What what other wonderful uh, milestone projects can you talk about that uh, that we can sort of tease to our listeners? Well, we've announced the um, two Lois Weber films, Some Girl of Portici, which is hopefully finishing today. Great. Uh, is complete and it's marvelous. The film looks fantastic. We have gotten. An enormous amount of uh, bonus features on Anna Pavlova. And Shoes by Lois Weber, the same year, 1916, where one is an epic film. And I think Dumb Girl of Portici is the only epic film ever directed by a woman. If you count the Lawrence of Arabia type epic. Just for big box, big box office, big cast, big sets. Um, Shoes is a quartet piece, a very minor piece. But it is Lois Weber's masterpiece. It is her greatest film. It's shot in Los Angeles. It shows um, Pershing Square. Uh, it's really her greatest film, and I think everybody is going to adore that. In the further distance is um, a lot of Blu-rays of the films we've already theatrically released. Uh, Strange Victory, Not Film is coming out. Bless the Little Hearts will come out next year. Um, we also have the Champion, which is a documentary on Fort Lee film history and trying to save the last studio that was in existence in Fort Lee and the short films that were made in Fort Lee to go with it. Uh, and as importantly, um, the films of George Nuremberg. Uh, yeah, most people don't know who George Nuremberg is or know his films, but when Say and Then Somebody came out in 1984, I think it was... Uh, Ebert's favorite film of the year. I think it was his top film. If not, it was one of his favorites. Um, it was a major deal in 1984. My wife, Amy, who is the president, saw it six times in the theaters in the course of the summer. Um, it is an amazing film. And I saw his film before that, No Maps of My Tax, when I was living in Ohio, and I watched that six times in one day. And you would think that's easy, but it was a 60-millimeter uh, print in a theater. 
And I closed the theater for four hours so I could watch it over and over again. So um, George's films are this amazing profile of African-American culture. And I think people are really going to rediscover them again. Dennis, thank you so much for speaking with us. Um, we wish you nothing but the best. You, you fill such a vital place in this business. And, uh, and film fans and film lovers are, are endlessly grateful for it. So best to you and Amy. Keep fighting the good fight, and we'll talk again soon. And thank, thank you, Wade. And, and thank you both for all your support. It's been oh, amazing. Always. Thanks, Dennis. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And Dennis Doros, ladies and gentlemen, great guy, uh, wonderful company. So, uh, Mark, I think it's probably time for, um, uh, for, no, for some more giveaways. Some more giveaways. So, uh, here are the other giveaways that we're uh, we're going to have here. Um, we're going to first. I'm going to talk about a film here called Soundbreaking. We're going to get into some music stuff. And. Uh, this is a cool movie. Soundbreaking stories from the cutting edge of recorded music. Uh, this is a really, really terrific Blu-ray with great, great audio on it. And uh, this is essentially the the uh, just an amazing documentary about the entire history of uh, music recording, basically in the primarily in you know the, like the studio era, the rock and roll era, the the music recording era. It's really unbelievable. Uh, just amazing stuff in here. And if you're a music aficionado, you'll go nuts for this. This is absolutely terrific. Um, it, you'd learn a lot about just the you know the music recording process, the studio production process, and how it sort of spans all these decades and how it's changed and whose lives it influenced and who was great at it and who's behind the scenes. It's amazing stuff. Uh, and uh, we are able to give away two copies of that. So uh, in addition to that, we are also going to be able to give away two copies apiece of Murdoch Mysteries, A Merry Murdoch Christmas, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. We're going to be able to give away two copies of Close to the Enemy, which is a, uh, a British series, which is kind of a, about the Cold War as it's in the dawning after World War, uh, World War II. And uh, we will need, when you send emails for those, if you want, uh, we're going to be able to give two copies away of Close to the Enemy, which we're not reviewing today. We're going to review that later, but that's available. Anyone who knows that show, put Enemy in the subject line. If you're interested in Mary Murdoch Christmas, which we'll review uh, in a moment, put Mary in the subject line. And if you want sound-breaking stories from the cutting edge of recorded music, put Edge in the subject line. We're going to give away two copies of each of those. It's going to be good stuff. Um, Soundbreaking, we're giving away uh, as a Blu-ray. And then uh, Murdoch Mysteries, uh, Merry Murdoch Christmas, and Close to the Enemy are DVDs. So more more wonderful giveaways on our show. You know, speaking of Edge, you know, the Edge from U2 lives in Malibu. Oh, don't I know it. And, and now <laughs> he finally was able to push through his plan That's to build a- like seven... Was he build seven houses? It's, it's like a bunch of houses that a lot of people don't want him to build. It's a long story. It's a big, elaborate thing. I, I, I actually spoke some years ago at a, um, at a, at a local hearing on one side of the issue, and uh, Don Henley was on the other side. It was rather amusing. Anyway, the people we have here, it, it, it gets kind of hilarious. Uh, I, I, but I, I got to make fun of Don Henley in a public forum. And I love Don Henley, but you know what I'm saying. Don Henley, 
by the way, was the lead singer and drummer for the Eagles. Yeah. He sounds like he's got a huge stick up his butt. Oh, yeah, he does. He seems like <laughs> one of those very self-serious guys. Super talented guy, but yeah, definitely. You know what? We have a ton of great stuff from Naxos as well. Um, the, uh, Mark hates all the classical stuff, so I'm going to go through this real quickly. If you, if, you, if you know classical music fans, here's what you're going to get them for Christmas. Um, there is a, there's a really unbelievable, cool uh, series of great arias. And uh, this is for, for opera fans. The Great Arias series includes Kuda Kuda, famous Russian arias and scenes. These are all Blu-rays, by the way. Uh, Amour Divin, famous French arias and scenes. Uh, oh, Let Me Weep, famous Baroque arias and scenes, which is, you know, uh, like, like Handel and Vivaldi. Uh, Casta Diva, famous Italian arias and scenes, which is, you know, Puccini and Verdi and all of that. And then uh, Inbrunst im Herzen, famous German arias and scenes, which is like Mozart and Wagner and all that kind of stuff. Uh, any opera fan is going to want this entire set, all really, really great stuff from Naxos. Um, it's the great arias uh, series, and uh, for opera fans, this is this will make them go through the roof. So this is a great gift. And then on the other side of it, we have uh, some ballet stuff, elegance uh, the Art Of, and there's a whole bunch of these. And uh, this, this, there's Don Quixote, there's Carmen, uh, there is La Petite Danseuse de Degas, which I was relatively unfamiliar with, uh, Raimonda. <coughs> Sorry, Wade. That's okay. Uh, Siddhartha, which is uh, increasingly uh, performed these days. I'm, I was kind of amazed. Uh, there's Netherlands Dans, Dans Théâtre, which is a uh, which is three ballets here: uh, Bella Figura, Sleepless, and Birthday. Uh, then there's the Nutcracker, which of course is super timely. Everyone loves the Nutcracker. Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker, uh, Death in Venice, and the last two: uh, Giselle, which is uh, by Adolf Adam, which I was not familiar with. Super cool ballet, really cool stuff. And then uh, six ballets, uh, the, which is also Netherlands Danteatra, which is uh, uh, you know. Ford ballets from the Netherlands Dante Teatro uh, troupe, and then uh, two from the Het National Ballet. So um, this is the uh, Elegance, the Art of a Ballet series. This is from Art House Music, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty great. Uh, any ballet fan will go nuts for this, just like the opera fans would have gone nuts for the other one. So that's uh, that's all that fun stuff. And um, also on the music front, Mark, why don't you go mow? Motown, Wade. Motown 25. Yesterday, today, forever. This is an essential box set for those who love uh, music of the 70s and beyond. This has performances from... Now, this, by the way, is a... um, This was a special in May of 1983. And this special, uh, if you were lucky enough to see it at the time, uh, became a sensation. It was classic. It was... Michael Jackson premiered his Moonwalk on this special, so it has historic value right there. But you also have performances from Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, The Four Tops, Marvin Gaye, all the great Motown acts. You know, there was the Motown sound and there was the Stax sound. You know, the Stax sound was in, uh, was in Tennessee and the Motown sound obviously was in Detroit. And they were kind of coming up a bit at the same time. And uh, in fact, I think Motown was kind of a, uh, a bit of a, a reaction to the... Uh, to the stack sound, and I love the stack sound. I love the Motown sound too. So, this is great. And there's also a lot of great uh, bonus features. There's 
rehearsal footage with the late Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder. There's a roundtable discussion. There's a featurette, which is new, which is fine. Um, I just think this thing is fantastic. There is, it, it has an extended version of the concert, so you get, you know, a lot of songs that you didn't see on the special. But uh, yeah, Tem uh, Temptations, Richard Pryor shows up. This thing, Motown 25, normally I would say, uh, uh, you know, sh uh, buy it for your parents. But I got to tell you, if you're a music fan, buy it for yourself because this Motown thing is great. Got it. It's also got a booklet, about, about a 50-page co uh, collector's booklet, and I just think this thing is fantastic. Nice and sparkly. And then uh, the last bit from the uh, on the music end is uh, also for opera fans. This is uh, also from Naxos. This is the uh, Royal Opera, Royal Opera House in the UK. Uh, the Royal Opera Collection, and what a what a six amazing operas on this: uh, Aida, Otello, and Stefelio from Verdi, Salome by Strauss, Romeo and Juliet by Gounod, and uh, Mitridate Re di Ponto by Mozart. Uh, you know, great performances, just a nice solid box set. Royal Opera House from Opus Arte, good stuff for opera fans. All right. Um, it would not be Christmas without uh, Criterion. And we have uh, reviewed most of the Criterion stuff, but there are three Criterion box sets that we, uh, we have to recommend because they are just absolutely awesome. Uh, they are, in reverse order of awesomeness, Lone Wolf and Cub, the complete Lone Wolf and Cub for fans of the Japanese samurai scene, and um, the uh, Trilogia de Guillermo del Toro, which is Kronos, Devil's Backbone, and Pan's Labyrinth. Fantastic Blu-ray set. And then, of course, uh, Kieslowski's Decalogue, which is the, the big mama, the big... That's the big thing. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, those make our gift guide as well. Those are the three just wicked awesome box sets. And then uh, we've also got some, uh, some other stuff that we had uh, talked about previously. Uh, one is the... Uh, one is the complete Star Trek... 50th anniversary box set. What's that? Give me that. Yeah, that's right. You weren't around. I talked about this with Tim. <laughs> you hadn't seen that? No. Oh, my gosh. 30 discs? 30 Blu-rays? Yeah. What does it have? Everything. The original motion picture collection and yeah. the journey to the whatever that is. Who yeah. cares? So it's got Star Trek uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, yeah. 6. Does it have the Star Trek? I, I don't know. Animated show. No, that, that, that thing sucks. <laughs> does it have the um, oh, it has the original series? Yeah, and it's got. Does it have the next generation movies? No, really? No. So it's it's the original. It's the original cast. It's all their this. movies and the original series. Everything everything that that is Shatnerized. It's a Shatnerization of. Uh, Why don't you it, give me this? It's a Shatner box. Why? Because because I'm going to be watching this for the rest of the holiday you already, season. You already have this. No, I don't. You have seven thousand Blu-rays. Give me this. No, I don't. I do not. This is going to preoccupy. I'm going to be watching the animated show forever, forever. That thing sucked. Although, although, although uh, I have to say that uh, the one thing about the animated show I liked, Letter Nimoy, was the one who said, "You bring back all of us, or you yeah, don't, bring, or, you don't yeah. bring back any of us." Good for him, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, we also talked about the uh, that thing that you have in your now. Hand. The, here's the thing: the Carol Burnett show, which of course is one of my all-time favorites in the history of the world. This has been out. Various, you know, lost episode DVD uh, uh, DVDs have been out uh, over the years, but as gift sets go, this is this is the mother load. This is the best from seasons one through five. A um, lot of great guest stars, Alan Alda. You know, there's actually also, by the way, interviews with like more contemporary comics like Steve Carell and Tina Fey, which gives you a sense of how important that show was to folks of that vintage. Um, but the guests. 
for seasons one through five included Lucille Ball, Bob Newhart, Joan Rivers, Don Rickles, who's still around, yep. Bing Crosby, Burt Reynolds, who's still around, barely. Yep. And there's a collectible booklet, but really all you care about is the 22 DVDs on this set, 45 episodes, and it's just great. I love this show. This show is hilarious, and it is timeless, and I love it, and I don't care who makes fun of me. So I would, if, if, for the Carol Burnett fan in your, Lost your episodes, family, baby. the Carol Burnett show, The Lost Episodes. Love it. And uh, we got another giveaway here. And then we're going to go into another one of our little tidbits. Uh, the Legend of Bruce Lee, Volume 1. This is, the, this is a television show. This is from WellGo. And uh, this is, these are the first ten episodes of the, the television series that is documenting Bruce Lee's life story. It's really good. Uh, I'm shocked at how good it is, how accurate it is, how well acted it is, how good the action is. Everything about this is top-notch. This is really, really great. Legend of Bruce Lee, Volume 1. And uh, we are giving away three copies of this. Legend what? Of Bruce. That's right. Three copies. Send us uh, Bruce in the uh, subject line. Bruce to godsdigigods.com. And uh, we will, we, we got three to give away on that end. So three copies of The Legend of Bruce Lee, Volume 1. Really great show. First ten episodes. You mean Bruce Springsteen? Uh, no. And uh, then we've also got a couple of docs here. Um, these are the docs of the season. The first one, I have to say, is, uh, you, know, you, know what, you know what this pertains to, Mark? Um, I'm kind of wondering, but I have a feeling. Yeah, I'll tell you what it pertains to. Donald Trump's tweet. That's right, and we, we continue to uh, <laughs> exploit our recent election, which has the world scratching its collective head, and uh, the, uh, the documentary here is a doc that is, uh, boy, was this timely, from MVD, the, uh, the formerly music video distributors, One Nation Under Trump. Now, this was before the election was done. <laughs> Mark, Mark looks like someone just dropped an anvil on his head. It's just the worst. It, One Nation Under Trump is the, uh, is the documentary, and it says, Can Trump beat the establishment and take Washington? Question mark. Yes, he the- tweeted his way to the presidency. <laughs> he literally... He- he he ascended to the presidency uh, by insulting everybody he possibly could. But didn't didn't uh, didn't Jeb Bush at one point say you can't insult your way to the presidency? And yet here we are. And uh, well, anyway, it's actually a, quite an interesting doc. It's not. It's it's. Uh, it's Luckily, mo- he only he only insulted veterans and Mexico and, and the Rosie handicapped. O'Donnell and the handicapped and the handicapped. Yeah. So really, that's all he did. It is. Uh, it, it is. It is not. It is not a skin deep doc. It is not a really dense and probing well, doc. Well, it's pretty well, hastily put together. However, well, it has Trump moments. Is, however, Trump is also skin deep and not probing. Yeah. And his campaign was hastily. So this is this is an interesting film. It's it's worth checking out as it's the first of many that will surely follow. But it's uh, it's more incisive than I expected it to be. And then uh, also is living in the age of airplanes uh, from National Geographic, which is uh, pretty terrific. Uh, this is um, directed by Brian Terwilling, uh, Terwilliger. Why does he have to have a name like that? Brian Terwilliger, who did One Six Right. And uh, it is essentially a, a, just a wonderful Harrison Ford nar- narrated look at the history of flight and airplanes and uh, the importance of you know, aviation in this day and age, something we take for granted. It's really beautiful. It's, it's very nicely put together, very elegant, very, a lot of great footage, really, 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 really great. And uh, some wonderful extras on this. It is uh, well worth checking out. It is absolutely terrific. So that is uh, Living in the Age of Airplanes with the, the brand of National Geographic on it, the brand you can absolutely trust. Harrison Ford, huge aviation guy. Yeah, he, he crashed. He crashed around here once. Didn't he crashed he? on a golf yeah. course. Yeah, he, he, he's crashed a few times actually. 
He has, and he survives them all. You wonder how many more times can you can you pull that stunt off? Well, he is Indiana Jones and yeah. Han Solo. And uh, one more big box set here to make mention of, BBC Shakespeare 400th Anniversary Gift Set, which has, uh, this is a, a really interesting collection of BBC stuff that's been previously released, but it's, uh, it's interesting. It's got uh, Hamlet, the David Tennant version of Hamlet, An Age of Kings, uh, which is a 15-part BBC miniseries uh, that, that you know dealt with all of these great actors who've per- performed all these legendary parts in uh, Shakespearean plays. Uh, Shakespeare Retold, uh, which is uh, a, a kind of a, a look at modern interpretations of many of the old Shakespeare plays, and then Bill, which is the uh, is 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 probably more well known in the BB, uh, in in England than it is here. But uh, this is kind of a weird comedy of you know what would have happened to Shakespeare during the years when we didn't know what was happening to Shakespeare, kind of an irreverent comedy thing. Uh, and then you also get a frameable replica of the frontispiece of Shakespeare's first folio, which is a really nice addition to this. So that is the uh, BBC Shakespeare 400th anniversary gift set. Definitely worth it. Um, a, a, an unusual uh, collection of stuff, but really for any Shakespeare fan, kind of a, a nice thing to find underneath the tree. Do you think Shakespeare would have tweeted... Uh, depends. It could Shakespeare put together a thought in 140 characters. He would have tweeted Hamlet. Hamlet would have been a, a series of tweets over the course of about seven or eight years. Let me see. To be or not to be, that is the question. Okay, maybe 100 and whatever it is. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows, about 120, 140, of outrageous fortune or take arms, another, Against a sea of troubles and by opposing end yeah. them. Right. The whole soliloquy? Tweets. Whole thing. All right. We're going uh, to jump into another interview. I had the privilege of talking to Peter Becker of the uh, Criterion Collection. And uh, here is our conversation about Criterion and Filmstruck and all kinds of other things uh, of an awesome nature. It is our enormous pleasure this holiday season to be speaking with the president of the Criterion Collection himself, Mr. Peter Becker. Uh, Peter, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So the last time that that you and I spoke, which was many, many years ago, uh, we sort of covered the basis of how when uh, the advent of DVD happened, and that was quite some time ago, uh, everyone sort of said, oh, Criterion's going to go away, this writes their death knell, all these licenses will expire and they'll just fade away as the studio's... uh, Dominate. I don't remember that. Well, that, that was that we we, ta- we talked about that many years ago, and you sort of laughed it off and uh, and said, yeah, that was something of an er- of an early epitaph, and they don't really understand our business. And sure enough, uh, here we are, many years later, and um, Criterion has never been a stronger brand. It may even be the strongest brand out there. And um, we've got Filmstruck, and people are going nuts for it, especially our listeners who all signed up, I think, within about 24 hours of, it, of its uh, formal launch. Um, give us just a – I really want to talk about Filmstruck today because it's, it's sort of every film lover's dream. It's what everyone has wanted Netflix to be. It's what they've wanted Amazon to be, but they just aren't. How did, how did Filmstruck come to, to happen? And talk about Criterion's involvement. Well, you know, uh, this really started with the team uh, at Turner, with TCM and Charlie Tabish, who is uh, a fantastic programmer who's been, you know, uh, really making that channel a destination for people who really love film uh, for 20-odd years now. 
And over those years, he's also been an important collaborator of ours because we show a lot of our films on TCM. And uh, Charlie came around, uh, you know, to us uh, toward the end of our of of our Hulu agreement, and said, "Listen, we're thinking about starting a streaming service, and uh, we um, we think it would be great if we could match our two brands, TCM and Criterion, to make an art house independent international." Streaming service that will be a destination for people who love movies, and I, and it was he who had the the idea from the beginning. And I think it's really important that we give people guidance and support, so that when they arrive there, they not only find stuff to watch, but they have an idea about why they might want to watch it. And that just from the beginning uh, set the whole idea apart in all of in all of our heads. And it was uh, you know it's it, it was very engaging, uh, and. Um, our response, which was immediately positive, was also the only anxiety that we had about it was that we really felt that we do have a certain relationship with our audience, that we've been publishing to a specific, um, you know, cinephile now for 30 years in a certain way. And um, we were really hesitant to give up that uh, that direct relationship and that uh, between Criterion and, and its audience. And also to... Um, so, so I said, you know, the only thing about this is that for us, it feels like the next step is that we need to have our own channel. Right. And um, it's sort of a testament to how this relationship with Turner has developed over the over the years. Uh, it's such a good collaboration that their immediate response was, okay, let's do that, and we'll, you know, we'll 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 have a Criterion channel within Filmstruck that you completely curate and produce and program for. We'll program the primary channel, uh, drawing on your library as necessary at will, and your library will be available in its entirety all the time on the Criterion channel. Subsets of it will rotate through based on whatever thematic programming is driving Filmstruck, and uh, together we, we can actually have the best of both worlds. And that's how the Criterion channel and Filmstruck came together. Uh, as a concept, and uh, I mean, it's incredibly exciting for us. It's a whole new frontier. Uh, it is. It, I think it's very telling too that I spoke to. Uh, I've spoken to at least ten people just in the last week, week and a half, who have all <laughs> dropped their Hulu subscription now that Criterion has moved over to Filmstruck. That was the only reason they had Hulu. So yeah, I, well, I have to. I have to imagine Hulu's not enjoying this uh, a great deal either. Well, that's not. That's not going to happen in my house. There are too many Survivor fans. <laughs> well, here's here's the word that you use that I think is is crucial: curation, uh, because the, as everybody has discovered with uh, with Netflix, uh, you know, algorithms are not curation, and uh, it it really takes some attention by human beings to go on there and to do. I mean, I was beta testing Filmstruck this over the summer, and uh, that was the first thing that jumped out at me, which was this is wonderful. This is like. It, 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 it's like it knows what I'm thinking. It knows where I want to go. Uh, it knows who I am. The the whole the the the, um, the the intensity of the curation and just how savvy it is really uh, is is incredible. I think that's the the, the most amazing part of it. So w- what goes into curating 
for Filmstruck, and and how does that sort of differ from what you normally do at Criterion? Has this forced kind of a change of Criterion culture to adapt to what's going on with Filmstruck? Uh, well, you know, first of all, thanks for all the incredibly kind words about Filmstruck. We're really proud uh, to be a part of the whole thing. When you talk about the curation of Filmstruck, you're talking about curation that is being done by the team at TCM. Got it. They're the best programmers that we know. We have tons to learn from them about programming. Um, they're experienced. They understand film. And I think what you're feeling when you have that sense of identity, which is what you're supposed to get from algorithmic su suggestions, you know, that a computer actually knows you. Um, but that sense of identity that you're feeling actually is just that at the other end of that service are people who love movies the way you love movies. That's what you're really feeling. And that's probably what you're identifying with. It's not that you arrived there actually specifically wanting to choose a film from the How to Murder Your Spouse series, but somehow that resonated with you or something like right. that. And that's because the people who put the series together care about movies too. And they're thinking about what people who care about movies might want to see. So, I mean, I think that is a fundamentally different welcome from the universal streaming services. Right. I, I, I kind of believe that Netflix and Hulu are what we want them to be. They're large, diversified streaming services that are also putting a lot of energy into creating new content that is turning out to be good a lot of the time, uh, you know, and contributing in their own way to everything, film culture, you know, in that sense, or television film culture, as the case may be, because long-form television is such an important part of, you know, of motion picture expression at the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those services are fantastic. But for our audience, we just wanted a place that we could publish. And so Filmstruck, which is, which is uh, thematically programmed around uh, often very useful, necessary building blocks of curation, you know, director retrospectives under the rubric The Masters. So you can watch 25 or so Akira Kurosawa films. Not that you're necessarily going to watch them all, but you can browse through his whole library and you can watch uh, a supplementary documentary about Kurosawa to get you oriented and give you a sense of where to start. And that's a different kind of welcome than we've come to expect from a, uh, uh, the larger streaming services, which really fundamentally are utilities in our lives at this point. Very true. Um, you know, so it's a, I think it's a different experience. I think the feeling that you're getting is there's somebody home at the other end. Yeah. There are people actually working to make this for me yeah. day after day, week after week. And that's true. <laughs> so, when, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, the, here's the other thing that, that has always amazed me about the way you guys run Criterion, which is that, that every time someone comes out, I'll pick up the trades and I'll read somebody at, you know, some major studio or, or media company, and they will blurt out what they believe is conventional wisdom. And then four or five, six weeks later, maybe a couple months later, Criterion will completely turn that conventional wisdom upside down and inside out. Uh, and, and I love the fact that you guys do that because you sort of just, you, you, you march to your own beat. Um, case in point is, uh, well, you know, packaged media is dying. Everything is going to go streaming. Uh, the first thing that all of our listeners do after signing up for Filmstruck is turn around and start buying uh, Criterion Blu-rays when Barnes & Noble has their 50% off sale, and they just start loading up like crazy. And it's a, it's a big post on our Facebook page, and, and everyone goes nuts because they just start plugging gaps in their collection. And, and, and that's the thing that they most look forward to when we talk about Criterion. So somehow they want the packaged media and they want the streaming. 
which is not what the studios have been telling us for years. So can you can you speak a little bit to that part of the business as well? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's good to hear because uh, we think that's the way it should be. Um, you know, the Criterion Channel on Filmstruck, which is really our playground, that's our home base in the streaming universe where we get to program whatever we want and where we get to make things exclusively for the channel, where we can program for the first time not just film by film, but or you know or cycle of films by cycle of films, uh, we can now program across territorial boundaries and and time periods and filmographies, and uh, we can suddenly juxtapose films which we could never really do in physical media, like play a double feature every Friday night or match a contemporary and a classic shortened feature on Tuesday nights. You know there are things that we could never do. There's a style of um, of participating in curation that we could never do because we were actually curating edition by edition. That curation edition by edition is the core of what we do. And it's a lot of the value of what is also being offered on the channel. Uh, But the physical edition itself, that is the flagship. That is the definitive way to watch that film in our view. You know, the, there's no way a streaming service is ever uh, uh, going to compete ultimately with, you know, a really well-made Blu-ray in a beautiful package with accompanying liner notes and artwork and everything all, I mean, when a film means something to you, and we try to put out films that mean things to people, uh, and you see it uh, lovingly treated and you want to have that as part of your library, it's a different level of commitment and relationship with the films themselves. And for those customers, uh, Filmstruck should be an additive experience, yep. meaning it should be all about things that are being produced for the, uh, for the channel, uh, all about things that, are, uh, that they're interested in but not sure that they actually know they want as part of their library. A lot of people like to have seen a film before they actually commit to buying it, right. you know, which, is, which is also not the conventional wisdom, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think... I think they're different experiences. They're different purposes. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm gonna um, you know project something on an 11 foot screen, uh, and I can choose a stream or a Blu-ray, I'm gonna choose the Blu-ray. It's gonna be less compressed by definition. You know, so uh, if they don't, one doesn't replace the other. They serve different purposes in different markets. Filmstruck, the Criterion Channel is also meant to be additive for basic Filmstruck subscribers. You know, Filmstruck brings a lot of films into the mix that are not part of the Criterion Library and Universe. Right. And there's a richness there that, uh, you know, that we producing a total of maybe 50-something releases a year. Right. I mean, that's that, these things are carefully put together. This is the core of what we do: caring about films, restoring them, getting them back out in theaters. I mean, uh, uh, there's a beautiful 4K DCP of Tampopo going around right now, which I'm very excited about because it's a product of years of work to, you know, to bring that film in. But I can't imagine a better, ultimately, a better streaming home for it than Filmstruck and the Criterion Channel are going to be. And that's it, it all goes together. Is what I'm saying. 
and and that and that echoes what we heard from Dennis Doros as well. I, I spoke with Dennis a few a few days ago for the for our holiday show as well, and he's elated by the fact. You know, it's funny. Everyone seems to think that uh, a lot of the independent companies are all feeding at the same little uh, little trough, and they all they're all in competition, which is quite the opposite. He's elated that their their films are going to get to piggyback on your films, and that people will sort of find the connective tissue that brings this entire family together. Uh, everyone is just enormously happy that there is now this resource out there because they feel that it's going to raise awareness for everyone's libraries and that if one does well, everyone will do well and it floats all boats. And you seem to be saying uh, effectively the same thing. I definitely am saying the same thing. I mean, I think it also goes back to what you feel when you land at Filmstruck and the Criterion Channel, which is that it is really the product of the film community right we're all so 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 many of us who are who are caring for classic films and international films and art house films in general uh you know are are always working in parallel always aware of each other's stuff but now we actually get to work together to build something and i think you feel the energy of that i mean i think it really is an opportunity and we're doing things on the channel side even to start to pull in uh, exhibitors, meaning theater owners and uh, theater programmers, because I think that's a very exciting part of the the whole story of film culture right now in America is that it's not just in the the biggest cities or the most expected uh, places, that there are are great pockets of, uh, you know, of of art house film literally all over the country and that, that, um, uh, at the core of all of that is, is I think the sense that watching these films is often a different kind of experience from the kinds of stuff that we watch sometimes when we just kick back and put on whatever it is that we like to put on while we answer email sitting on the couch or whatever. This is actually um, the, these these are movies that that are that are very often very meaningful or that are uh, very visually rapturous, or you know, they, they have they have qualities that that I think um, uh, really energize people about movies. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, that you, when you put them in, when you start them, when you when you put in the disc, or when you start it on Filmstruck, or when you sit down in the theater and see it uh, you know, on the big screen, there's a there's a feeling that there's something here. There's something alive and commanding about this. Absolutely. Um, as we as we wrap up, I wanted to also talk just for a moment about uh, 4K because uh, Criterion was uh, waited a little bit before jumping into the fray with Blu-ray, and now is the standard by which all Blu-rays are measured. And uh, obviously, we, we've now gotten the first wave of, uh, of 4K films coming out, which are mostly big studio, over bloated things, and a lot of them don't really look very good in 4K, uh, based on some of the feedback that I've been reading. Um, where where does 4K sit in the in the Criterion universe at this moment? Well, I mean, our our workflow is set up for 4K restorations, uh, and wherever possible, we're always going back to original film elements. And um, when we're scanning them, we're scanning them usually in 4K resolution. A lot of our restoration work is done in 2K resolution, which is still more than sufficient for right. uh, for DCPs and Blu-rays. Um, a lot of it's also done in 4K. It depends. If we know, you know, for example, I think Tempo Restoration was done in 4K and it looks gorgeous. And it's opening in San Francisco yeah. this weekend, I think. 
Yeah, um, I, I reviewed it for our local NPR affiliate here a couple of weeks ago, and it's just a fantastic restoration. It's gorgeous. Yeah, and I and I just love the film. I mean, it's such a great. If you you know, if if the idea of a of a philosophy of love and respect, sort of uh, spiced with transgression of all kinds, served up in a brothy bowl of noodles, sounds good to you right about now. That's where you should be. Um, but but the uh, you know so so we do a lot of 4K restoration work. As far as we're concerned. 4K really is about the amount of data you have to work with. And especially because a lot of our purpose in scanning these films uh, in the highest possible resolution is for archival purposes, meaning uh, to have the, to have, if anything should happen to that piece of film and things do happen, uh, we, we want the highest resolution scan we can possibly have, even if we don't need it for the, for the, for the restoration process. Uh, you know, we're still we're mostly archiving 4K. What you're talking about about movies not looking good in 4K may have something to do with how people are actually making movies now and how they're lighting movies now, and that they may need to adjust their lighting for different resolutions and things like that. I'm or, not or, sure. Or, or to some degree, I think it, it has to do with with a the immaturity of the 4K disc format, the 4K televisions. Oh, I see. That all of that is 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 sort of in a nascent place, and and I mean my next question then was, do, do, can we expect any 4K discs coming out of Criterion at some point, or is that still in in discussion? Well, right now we've kind of got our hands full. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, we're by no means going to uh, stint in any way on the way that we're making discs. I think the box set of Guillermo del Toro that we put out this year, or the Lone Wolf and Cub set, or the Decalogue set, you know, shows that we're we're I think we're making some of the best discs we've ever made, and we're going to keep that up. Then we have a channel to program, and we're going to try and make that as exciting an experience as we can for uh, for anybody who cares about the kinds of films that we care about. And that opens up a whole new horizon for us that we didn't really even talk about as well, which is that we get to program from outside the collection too. And now we get to fulfill the aspect of our mission that has often been most difficult to fulfill, which is... uh, throwing the weight of the classics behind contemporary filmmakers who are working today. There are a lot of contemporary films that aren't really available to us for physical media because their original theatrical distributors need to make those releases as part of their whole business model for a new release picture. And so with the exception of IFC and Janus and occasional other exceptions, um, we haven't been able to champion certain filmmakers that we love, that we've been watching for years. And now we can program those filmmakers on the channel. So, you know, Athena Rachel Sangari, the Greek filmmaker uh, that um, uh, that made Chevalier in Attenberg, is the subject of a uh, of the first in a series of Meet the Filmmaker series that we'll do, which will be an original documentary about a filmmaker accompanied by uh, a selection of their films. In her case, most of her filmography. Um, things like that. We could never do that on a disc. Right. So we have so many opportunities right now. We want to make the most of them. We want to be as careful as we've ever been about everything that we do. And, uh, you know, I really feel like we have a startup in the channel, in in our midst. And we're trying to keep it uh, lively and inventive and, uh, and, and, and see what it becomes. And at the same time, we also have, a, a, you know, our, our core longstanding mission. And there's no way that we're... Um, there's no way that we're easing up on that at all, you know, which is this whole process of restoring and releasing definitive editions of international classic films, uh, contemporary films. Well, I, and with, I, 
you guys, you're, you're, you're fulfilling your mission and beyond. It is amazing what you've done and what you continue to do. We applaud you. Our listeners adore you. We adore you. And <laughs> Thank you. I should talk to you every morning. <laughs> well, I mean, just you know, to wrap this up, the, the, the February uh, releases were just announced, obviously, uh, a few days ago. Uh, and uh, they, they, I mean, it, you know, the, the Before Trilogy is the thing that just jumped out at me. I just thought, well, of course. Why, why, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. it just seems perfect, right? I mean, you know, and then women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. It's about time. I just kind of, you know, looked at the list, and then, and you know, then something like Black Girl, which, you know, is is such an amazing. What a great film! film. What a great film, and what an. But it, that goes into that category of films that too few people have seen. It's important to see it, and that's where I kind of feel like the, the school marm criterion is coming out and saying. Here are the movies that I know you want to see. This oh, that's not see. a school marm saying that, though. No, but it's I mean, a good, the that's a good thing. Yeah, okay. But the, 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 when the Black Girl is the, is the first Sam Ben film that we've been able to release. I know. Uh, but there's more on the horizon. That's great. And, you know, w- w- the other thing that I w- should give a shout-out to in this regard is the, is the World Cinema Project at the Film Foundation has really been doing not just important work restoring the films that they're restoring, which is amazing, but also creating pathways for other films from those places to become available. Uh, You know, clarifying licensing situations or at least making the the necessary connections for for things not just to be restored but to be seen, and that's super exciting. So, um, you know, and and, uh, if it it weren't for that that project – I mean, they, they they drove the whole black girl restoration and did an amazing job. And and see, the, and the and the beauty of you putting your brand on that film, and this is what I mean by the school marm thing, is if that were released by almost any other company, m- most people probably wouldn't bother to go see it. But because the Criterion C sits on that box, a, a lot of people are going to look at it and say, "Wow, I probably never would have thought to watch that." But if Criterion's getting behind it, I think I'll give that a shot. And you validate it for them, and you make it something that they feel like they need to see because you you have that trust, which is extraordinary. Thank you. It shouldn't. I mean, for where where Sam Ben is concerned, it shouldn't be that way. But the films have been hard to see, and I think as people see them, he's going to going to resume his place as you know. Uh, in people's in people's minds, where it, where right. it belongs. And it's, it's going, and anyway. it's going, I think it'll open people's eyes to not only non-Western cinema but to African cinema, which is arguably the most underrepresented and unknown of, of all the you know sort of major yeah. cinematic movements of the last fifty years. So, well, Peter, thank you so much for speaking with us. Uh, Peter Becker, president of the Criterion Collection, uh, you you continue to do amazing work. We we know how busy you are, so we thank you enormously for taking time out to talk to us. And good luck with everything, uh, including and especially Filmstruck. We'll uh, hopefully speak with you at, a, at another milestone point down the line. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, Peter. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. Wasn't that great? He's a good guy. Good guy, great, great company. company. Yeah. <laughs> we said the Wait. same thing. Kiss mint. Salt and pepper. Okay, I'm going to be uh, shamelessly self-promoting at this point. Uh, I'm going to start by saying on the heels of that Criterion interview that the Criterion Collection Blu-ray of Howard's End is awesome. Don't get rid of it. Keep it. It is amazing. Uh, It was crucial uh, research for me in doing the commentary that I did with our good friend Lael Lowenstein on this Cohen re-release of the restored Howard's End which is now in a new 25th anniversary uh, 4K restoration. And wait, 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 wait. What's the difference between the Criterion Howard's End and this Howard's End? 
Different transfer, and there are lots of really amazing extras on the Criterion that you will never get anywhere else. Got it. Yeah. Uh, both transfers are good, the, the, but this is this is just dazzling. This is a new 25th anniversary 4K restoration. It is amazing, and uh, Lael and I had a great time doing the commentary for this. This is my wife's favorite film of all time, so it is very, very personal to me. Uh, and they, uh, they, they have a bunch of other extras on here, which I didn't even know were going to be on here, uh, frankly, behind-the-scenes featurettes and documentaries and uh, really wonderful stuff. And uh, it's, it's pretty great. There's a 2016 Q&A, uh, an onstage Q&A, just one of the great films of all time. Merchant Ivory were, this was the, you know, when they hit their Oscar stride, it was Room with a View and then this and then uh, Remains of the Day. And those are the big three. And they, they, those were just three amazing movies. And Howard's End just got a heap of Oscar nominations and a heap of wins. And it is such an amazing movie. And I plead with you, get this and listen to our commentary because we put so much work into it. Um, you know, most commentaries... Let me, let me see what it's it says. It's great. It's fantastic. It it's so good. It doesn't have my name on it. No? No. It just says audio commentary? Yeah. It's know. funny because Lael's name is on here, but yours isn't. Oh, look at Why that. Why is that? Oh, Ooh. I don't know. Okay, and then... Uh, Give me this. I'll take it. Okay, fine. Thank you very much. Really? I can have this? No. What? That's the only one I've got. Oh, uh, fine. <laughs> you want me to get one for you? Yeah, of course. Okay, I'll get one for you. You're just saying that, by the way. You never will. No, I will. Okay. I'll, I'll ask one. I'll, I'll right. get one for Thank you. Thank you. Uh, movie compilation sets. Um, Movie compilation sets. These are multiple movie sets. Uh, four, movie com- uh, f- uh, four movie comedy collection. This includes uh, Balls Out, the, Solomon Brother- the Brothers Solomon, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, and Fired Up. Uh, this is worth getting really just for Walk Hard, which a lot of people really, really love and uh, is a very underrated comedy. Uh, then the, uh, the horror four-film pack, which includes Hostel, Hostel Part 2, Hollow Man, and Hollow Man Part 2. I don't like any of these movies, but I know a lot of people do. And these are all bargain sets. Why not? And then uh, the uh, triple feature of You Got Served, Gridiron Gang, and Stomp the Yard. This is kind of like a, you know, an urban dance popping thing. Uh, Gridiron Gang is not that. It just happens to have Dwayne Johnson in it, which you know is always worth something because he's the highest paid actor in the world now. Did you know that? Who is? Dwayne Johnson. Eh. Amazing. I like him. He's great. And he's great in Moana, for crying out loud. He's terrific. He Don't sings. He sings. No, he's his, great. His, his uh, double thing. No, he sang. And he's got a great voice. Really? It's, ama- it's unreal. He can, do, he can do no wrong. Dwayne Johnson, man. He just, the guy is, he, he, not only does he rock, he is the rock. So there you go. Uh, so there's those. And then a wonderful collection of movies that I have to recommend from uh, Flickr Alley, who just does so much great stuff. And they are part of the, uh, the uh, Filmstruck consortium as well. Uh, but Flickr Alley also has done a great deal to preserve the Cinerama format. And uh, they've got a couple of really cool new additions to their old Cinerama uh, releases, all on Blu-ray. If you love Cinerama, you've got to get all of these. The new ones are The Best of Cinerama, and uh, Russian Adventure, which is hosted by Bing Crosby, which is just gorgeous. This stuff, get, watch it on your, your, your best television with your best Blu-ray player. It will blow your mind. It's the closest you're going to get to the true Cinerama experience at home. And then, of course, the others, that, uh, the others in this series that you really, really should be looking at. This is Cinerama, Cinerama Holiday, Windjammer, and South Seas Adventure. These are all Blu-ray and DVD combo sets. Uh, but Blu-ray is really the only way to watch this DVD if you absolutely have to uh, but for the full experience of the original Cinerama experience that's what you want to get so the full set is South Seas Adventure, Windjammer, Cinerama Holiday This is Cinerama, The Best of Cinerama 
and Cinerama's Russian Adventure. Uh, essential for any film history buff, Cinerama was like 3D before there was 3D. It was, it was, it's a legend, legendary uh, format. So all of this stuff, some of the best cinematography in the history of movies, all in uh, five really great, uh, six really great DVD Blu-ray combinations. What else we have on the uh, classic movie front? Oh, Wade, we have the long-awaited, ladies and gentlemen, could not... I actually bought this, Wade, because you would never give it to me. Yeah. The Marx Brothers Silver Screen Collection, folks. This is gold. This is the coconuts, animal crackers, monkey business, horse feathers, and duck soup. Uh, not a night at the opera and a couple of their other classics, but still, you get five great Marx Brothers films. They look terrific. The bonus features include um, a documentary which uh, they interviewed Leonard Maltin and Dick Cavett and a bunch of the uh, surviving Marx family, which is great, including Harpo's son, Bill Marx. There's a couple of commentaries, including one from our good friend uh, F.X. Feeney and, again, Leonard Maltin. There's some, um, also, there are some uh, vintage interviews from the Today Show, including one where uh, Harpo Marx is interviewed on the Today Show and, of course, says nothing. Awesome. Because he's Harpo Marx yeah. and he says nothing. But if you love the Marx Brothers like I do, as I said, I bought this because I know Wade would never give it to me. So I bought it, and I love it, and I will watch it forever because I love the Marx Brothers. Yes, it does not have a couple of their classics, including A Night at the Opera, but what are you going to do? You still get the Coconuts. Coconuts is the le- The Coconuts, they were still kind of working out their act, going from vaudeville to film. Um, but they have Animal Crackers, Monkey Business, Horse Feathers, and, of course, The Great Duck Soup. Also... Equally hilarious is um, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. And Macbeth. And Macbeth. Now, the Macbeth is interesting because Olive did a really interesting thing here. Olive, what they did was not only did they include the uh, the 1948 version, the the original cut. The original cut, back in the day, was criticized because nobody could understand the accents. Because, of course, you know, uh, 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 he is a Scottish lord. Yep. And so it is hard to understand him. And so two years later, it was re-released, pared down with most of the dialogue kind of flattened out so you can understand what they're saying. So this does have historic value. This is a two-disc set, and uh, it's great, really great. You know, Orson Welles, he started with Citizen Kane, Magnificent Ambersons, and then he kind of went to this... He did a lot of weird little films that he, like, chimes at midnight or that either were underappreciated or taken away from him. He had... He, as a genius, he had a very unfulfilled career. But I do feel like Macbeth is one of his better films, better non-Citizen Kane films. And, of course, we have Citizen Kane. Uh, Citizen Kane is available on a very special, fantastic, essential Blu-ray box set, which I would uh, prefer over this. I'll maybe only get the one Blu-ray set if you maybe can't afford the other one. Uh, otherwise, you can probably get the uh, box set pretty cheap because it's been out for a while. So there's two Orson Welles for you, Macbeth and uh, Citizen Kane. Fabulous. All right, we're going to get into some TV right now, TV, and then we'll wrap out with uh, with just general Christmas uh, fare. Uh, Jeremy Piven and Mr. Selfridge, the complete series. This is not on Blu-ray. This is DVD, but you know what? We're giving some away. We're giving away four of them. What? Four complete series of Mr. Selfridge. Uh, go ahead and email us at godsdigigods.com. Put Piven in the subject line, Piven, P-I-V-E-N. Otherwise, it will not be filtered accordingly. Uh, anyway, this is a terrific show. They uh, tied it in a little bit with Downton Abbey. 
which is also out, which I'll mention in a moment. Uh, but this is terrific. Two hours of bonus material, lots of behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, really wonderful. Jeremy Piven, I think this is his iconic role. Forget about that entourage stuff. Mr. Selfridge, the man who founded the, uh, the, the, the of-the-same-name uh, uh, department store, which is wonderful. If you ever go to London, you've got to go to Selfridge's. It's the best. And uh, it's, a, it's a legendary part of hot London, and it's a wonderful story and a great series, so uh, definitely worth checking out. Also, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, Series 1 through 3 collection from Acorn. This is uh, great. One of the, it's like if, you know, Miss Marple or uh, Murder, She Wrote was younger and, and cooler and slicker and more attractive and a little bit more, uh, had more of a sense of naughtiness and fun. Uh, really, really great. This is a, an excellent box set, Series 1, 2, and 3. And uh, equally good is sets one through five of Vera with Brenda, Brenda Bleffin. This is 20 discs of great just British murder mystery, crime-solving uh, stuff. It's just terrific. Uh, Brenda Bleffin should have won an Oscar by now, has not, but you get to see her as Chief Inspector uh, Vera Stanhope, uh, and she's just great. She just rips it up. So feminist crime-solving UK style in those three, or those two. And then... Downton Abbey. Uh, Downton Abbey, the complete collection, both DVD and Blu-ray, but the Blu-ray is the only way to go. Uh, this is a beautiful set. Seasons one and two in one uh, keep case, seasons three and four in another, seasons five and six in another, with all the necessary bonus discs. Gorgeous, complete set. Get rid of whatever you have. Double dip, triple dip, do whatever you need to do to get this. Uh, this is the whole thing in one. I kept hoping they would come out with an actual like replica of Downton Abbey that opened up and had the discs in different rooms, but probably too much to hope for. I'm too much of a nerd. Like a three hundred dollar yes. version of the Blu-ray. Anyway, this is absolutely terrific stuff. Great, uh, great extras. Seven different character documentaries, uh, behind-the-scenes stories. And it's just, it's just endless. If you, if you're a Downton Abbey fanatic like I am, this is a dream come true. Uh, what's not a dream come true is uh, the complete series of Sliders. Now, Sliders was a series starring uh, uh, Jerry O'Connell and John Reese davies It was a little like Lost in Space, but with parallel universes instead of space. So they played these guys who slid from universe to universe and uh, encountering people they knew or will know and different versions of themselves. And this thing kind of limped along for five seasons. It had a couple fans, but uh, I, I really don't think this is particularly beloved. Um, but it, the new, uh, the um, complete series is available on... Um, on Blu-ray, and I guess that's a good thing, but I never really liked it. Yeah. Um, Mystery Science Theater 3000, they keep cranking these things out, yeah. and I have to say, it's, it's just, as much as I love this show, I can't take it anymore, because now we're up to 33, no, 37, 37, Way this is box set 37, mm -hmm. I know. which includes the human uh, duplicators, Escape 2000, the horror of Party Beach, and Invasion of the Neptune Men. There's a couple of uh, bonus features, including a new introduction by Mary Jo Pell. Of course, they at this point, they're like, Going down to the dregs of the, not the dregs, she's great, but going down to like, you know, the fifth and sixth bananas on the show to mm -hmm. do introductions because they've had to do 37 of them. Yep. Bunch of trailers and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I, I can't take it anymore. I actually, <laughs> I, Wade used to give me all of these. In fact, you'll give me, the, you'll give me this one. Yeah, you can have that one. I'm just going to sell it back because That's I don't fine. want it anymore. That's all I'm, right. I'm done. I'm, I've had it. I I've know. had enough. I know. Who can, have enough, who can get enough of Miami Vice, Wade? Uh, and, uh, you know what? It's a cool show. The show is hot again. Everything in Miami Vice is cool again. 
Why is that? Is. Because it's because the style is back. The cars, the clothes, the whole thing. People are now wearing, you know, uh, linen suits again and with T-shirts and, uh, and shoes without socks. Or, or are they? <laughs> Not really? No. No? Just okay. the opposite of that. All right. Anyway, this is uh, Miami Vice, which was an iconic show, mostly for its, uh, not necessarily for the storytelling, but for its integration of style and music and storytelling. This, of course, was produced by uh, Michael Mann, who went on to do a lot grittier stuff as a film director. It was uh, partially created also by uh, Dick Wolf, the great Dick Wolf. Um, So, yeah, so this show, does it hold up as storytelling? No. Does it hold up as style and music? Um, it's pretty cheesy if you've never seen it, but if you have if you have seen the show and have memories of it that are fond, you might enjoy reliving the white linen suits and the uh, the synth music, and of course that great theme was by Jan Hammer. So um, not Jan Wenner, yeah, because he was the guy who created right. No Rolling Stone. Jan Hammer, yes, yeah, I totally know. different Hammer, yeah, completely unbelievable. Uh, anyway, so this show is uh, I was never really into the show because I just thought it was too cheesy for me, so. Um, but it was a per- it was the perfect show for the MTV era, and uh, it is back on Blu-ray. The entire series uh, that yes. is a good gift for the Miami Vice fan in your life. Finally, at least on person. my end, we have the complete complete series of Knight Rider. Now, this was the David Hasselhoff show about the car that has that that the, the red light that goes yeah. horizontally. Yeah, they're, re- the they're doing a new version of it. They're doing you know it's you know, re- they're rebooting it. Okay. First of all, heaven uh, help us. I, I, I didn't like this show, but just telling you it's out there. Can you believe that the uh, new version of Hawaii Five O is in like its fifth or sixth season? It's amazing. Uh, this, I'm that stunned. keeps going. I know. And by the way, the new version of MacGyver, yeah, is kind of a moderate uh, hit. Uh, more on television. All nine seasons of Perry Mason. 271 episodes in three giant keep cases uh, packed into a, uh, a sleeve. If you are a Perry Mason nut, if you cannot handle, uh, if you just can't get through a year without watching whodunits and courtroom drama with, with Raymond Burr, oh my gosh, nine seasons Almost 300 episodes will just, it'll, it'll numb you. Great show. Lots of great guest stars. Um, a little bit repetitive, but man, what a box set. Here, Grandpa, look what I got you for Christmas. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, and then also the Lucy show, the complete series. Not quite like uh, I, I Love Lucy, but uh, you know what? She kept going. She proved that she could do it in color, and she could do it without Ricky, and uh, loads of special features on this one. This is amazing. Paramount piled this thing sky high. Vintage uh, openings and closings and commercials, the Lucille Ball Comedy Hour special, uh, behind-the-scenes interviews, photo galleries, you know, everything that they could archivally dig up. It's all here. It's, It's really great. 156 episodes on 24 discs. Amazing. And uh, then more recent stuff, Game of Thrones uh, is out in complete season sets. We do not have one, but they did send us the complete sixth season, um, which I'm, you know, I'm warming up to this thing at last, I think, a little bit. It, it's, I'm trying to be contrarian, but it's getting harder and harder. And then uh, Hell on Wheels, the complete series, uh, which is finally out from uh, the AMC complete series. Nice box set, very colorful. Basically takes everything that's been previously released and just sticks it in a sleeve, so it's not, you know, nothing special. But all the bonus features, all the previous uh, seasons, it's all there in a, in a nice package. And now we are going to uh, close out by letting our friend Alonzo Duralde share some of his Christmas expertise, and then we will finish off with our final round of recommendations.
This is Alonzo Duralde from The Wrap and the Linoleum Knife Podcast with a couple of holiday DVD recommendations. Two very different Christmas classics are getting Blu-ray releases this year. For the more traditionalist-minded, Paramount offers the 70th anniversary Platinum Edition of Frank Capra's beloved It's a Wonderful Life. This two-disc set uh, is light on extras. It's got a new documentary and comes with some replica lobby cards, uh, as well as a gorgeous remaster of the original black-and-white version and... For those of you who insist, the colorized version as well. Um, a little more off the beaten path of holiday favorites, but still a cult classic nonetheless, uh, is uh, Black Christmas, which is getting a new two-disc Blu-ray from Scream Factory. This one is chock full of extras, uh, both old and new, several commentaries, documentaries, uh, interviews from when the film came out in the 1970s, as well as uh, more recent panel discussions. Uh, This is a movie that predated John Carpenter's Halloween by about a decade and really sort of set the tone for holiday-themed slasher films. It's interesting to note that it's directed by Canadian filmmaker Bob Clark, who would later direct a film that would rival It's a Wonderful Life as a uh, beloved holiday classic. Of course, uh, 1983's A Christmas Story. Black Christmas is about as different from that movie as possible. It's about a group of sorority girls being harassed by an obscene phone caller uh, at the holiday season. And, of course, uh, those calls portend murders that follow. Uh, It has a great cast, including uh, Olivia Hussey, Keir DeLay, and uh, Andrea Martin, who is the one actress who would turn up in the not-all-that-interesting remake in the 21st century. But uh, the original Black Christmas, absolutely worth a look, as well as, of course, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Both belong on your shelf this Christmas, and uh, they're both great new versions that you should check out. For more information about these two films and hundreds of other great Christmas movies, check out my holiday movie guide, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas, available at Amazon or wherever else books are sold. Happy holidays. And so in the spirit of the season, we're going to be giving away eight copies of a Time Life box set, Bill Gaither's Homecoming Hymns. If you really, really, really want to get yourself into the spirit of the season, this is a wonderful set to do it. Uh, it just, you know, set it up, just let the, let the DVDs roll, play the music and, uh, you'll, you'll just feel completely immersed in the season. Really, really a nice, a nice box to nine DVD set. It's really terrific. So this is, um, Bill Gaither's Homecoming Hymns and Bill Gaither's Christmas Hymns from Time Life. Uh, you want, you definitely want to get this. So we're giving away eight copies of that. And um, the way you get it is by sending us an email. In the subject line, it says Bill, just B-I-L-L. And we will give eight lucky people Bill Gaither's Homecoming Hymns. Um, all right, Mark, I'm going to go grab this pile of the, uh, the Christmas-themed stuff, and we're going to roll through it, and then I'm going to let you go to the, uh, the party. Yeah? Am I supposed to say something? Yeah. Fill <laughs> space. Uh, Wade is uh, sitting back down. He's wearing a gray sweater. His hairline is receding. That's fine. He is now putting his... I don't have a receding hairline. What are you talking about? You're bald. Not really. Okay, so... Um, let's, uh, let's go through these as quickly as we can so that people can uh, rock and roll. Uh, Black Christmas, collector's edition from uh, Shout Factory or Scream Factory. You know, it's honestly... This is one of those... Uh, one of the handful of uh, Christmas slasher movies... And uh, it, it, I guess uh, there's an audience for this. This thing is a kind of a weird classic. What's funny about it is this was made by Bob Clark before he would go on to do a Christmas story and redeem himself. So first he mutilated Christmas and then he saved it. Uh, so Bob Clark's Black Christmas. 
which uh, that and Christmas Story wedge Porky's in the middle. What a weird career. Anyway, uh, lots of special features on here for those who love it. Audio commentary with Keir DeLay and John Saxon. Come on, give it up, right? We also have Murdoch Mysteries, A Merry Murdoch Christmas, which we are, of course, giving two away. We announced that giveaway earlier in the show. This is from Acorn. Uh, if you're a Murdoch Mysteries fan, you're going to love it because it's, you know, it's got the, it's got the, whole, uh, it's, it's the whole Murdoch Christmas thing. It, and a lot of familiar actors in here that you've seen before. You've seen them in other shows, Downton Abbey and others. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And then uh, a thing called Christmas Ranch. Now, these, are all, these all get a little, little bit schmaltzy. Uh, Christmas Ranch with uh, a handful of actors you've probably seen in various places. It's, you know, it's low budget. It's kind of schmaltzy, but it's, it's, it's okay. It's worth checking out. Uh, the Andy Griffith Show Christmas Special, which is colorized, so I can't really recommend it, but if you feel compelled, you know, you, you could do worse. Uh, Bob Hope, Hope for the Holidays, which is a, uh, a just amazing Bob Hope shtick for the holidays. This is Bob. How do you like oh that 9-11 Hope? Got Jack Benny on here and uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. This is, this is really kind of a weird hodgepodge of stuff, but there's a lot, you know. It, <laughs> it, if you like all that Bob Hope shtick, you'll this love it. This is Bob Hope. ISIS. Yeah. How about the ISIS? Yeah. How about that? And then uh, we've got uh, a couple others here real quickly. Uh, these are also schmaltzy. A uh, Dog Walker's Christmas Tale. You know, it's a love and romance at Christmas time. Why not? A terrible animated movie from Canada called Snow Time, which I think is just horrible, but it's one of the few animated Christmas things out there. So, you, you, you know, it's based on a book. I, I saw this thing. It bored me stiff. It's like kids learning lessons in life and about death, and it just it felt very maudlin, but whatever. And then uh, The Spirit of Christmas, which is another uh, live-action romance set around Christmas time. Nothing remarkable about it. TV talent. It's perfectly fine. Does the, it does the trick. Oh, it does the trick. Yeah. Uh, wait, here's what does the trick. It's a wonderful life. Awesome. Platinum anniversary edition. Anybody who does not love this film does not love happiness. Although I will say they included not only the original uh, black and white version, but there is a second disc which features the colorized version. And if you play the colorized version, it melts your player. Because uh, oh, that, that, that is my way of getting you to not play the colorized version. Okay. Because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's evil and should not be played. However, the James Stewart and Donnery classic, Frank Capra, Wonderful Life, it is just great. It totally holds up. It's funny because the film's kind of long. Last time I watched this thing, it was long. But then, like, the last 15 minutes when he finally uh, goes around and sees himself and, and redeems himself and has a happy Christmas, it's so great that it makes up for the fact that uh, there's, a whole lot of, uh, there's, there's a whole lot of table setting in this film. I agree with that. Do you really? Yeah, I do. All right. You, and- can, you can give me this, by the way, if you want. Uh, I might have this. I think you do have it. No, you don't even know what I have. You have have 7,000 Blu-rays. I know what you have. Okay, and then real quickly, some uh, some kid kid vid, uh, all of it holiday-themed. Sean the Sheep, we wish you, E-W-E, a Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy holidays from the farm, it says. Uh, This is seven stories, all of them uh, kind of Christmas-themed with uh, Sean the Sheep. Lots of fun. They just announced there will be another Sean the Sheep movie. My daughter is beside herself with happiness. Uh, Wild Kratz, A Creature Christmas from PBS Kids. That's okay. Not a huge fan of the show. Uh, from Nick, A Very Nick Jr. Christmas, which is kind of Christmas-themed stuff from Dora and Friends and uh, Blaze and the Monster Machines, Shimmer and Shine, Wally Kazam, Bubble Guppies. And uh, then Kate and Mim Mim, A Christmas Wish, 
which is okay. It's kind of a creepy uh, show as well. Also from Nick, Pup Save Christmas. Uh, this is from Paw Patrol, which, you know, uh, it's okay. Uh, six episodes of Paw Patrol that have Christmas theme to them. It's, a, you know, not my favorite. Alpha and Omega even get a new Christmas uh, disc out there. This is a DVD and digital copy ultraviolet combo set. The Big Furries, F-U-R-E-E-Z-E, terrible pun. Uh, Power Rangers Dino Charge Hero. This this is barely a Christmas thing. It only has one Christmas episode in here uh, in addition to four regular episodes. Not great. Can't say I recommend it. And then Care Bears and Cousins, Volume 1, Take Heart. Not Christmas-themed, but the packaging includes a big bow, so they're encouraging you to use this uh, collection of six episodes of Care Bears as a gift for a child. The child won't know the difference. If they love Care Bears, they'll go crazy for it. On Blu-ray and uh, uh, DVD, we have Uncle Nick, which sort of is a a bad Santa kind of comedy. This stars Brian Posehn, who I worked with years ago. He's a very funny comic and very funny writer. He plays a... um, a guy who kind of uh, ruins his family Christmas because he's just crazy. He's stumbling through life, and and then uh, all sorts of craziness ensues over a particularly disastrous holiday season. Uh, so I, this thing was kind of okay. And the weird part is that this movie is, quote-unquote, presented by Errol Morris. Isn't that bizarre? That is bizarre. Yeah. I don't know what... Uh, I do not know what he had to do with this film. Uh, he does not seem to have any... Producing, oh, I mean, he does have an executive producer credit. I don't know whether he uh, he couldn't have ponied up some money. I don't know what he had to do with this film. Anyway, there's a commentary with um, the director and uh, Brian, and Brian's, of course, is very funny. Um, there's some outtakes, which are funny because a lot of comics are involved. Padgett Brewster's in this. Missy Pyle is in this. So, look, once you've seen Bad Santa for the 17th time, you can give um, Uncle Nick a whirl. And lastly, a couple of books, which we're going to make mention of. Uh, Not a lot of uh, books this season, but there's the Encyclopedia of Sports Entertainment, WWE, The Definitive Guide, uh, everything you've ever wanted to know about all your favorite wrestlers, and our good friend Leonard Malton does a a foreword for this other book, Mission, Jimmy Stewart and the Fight for Europe uh, by Robert Motson. This is a wonderful, wonderful book. I cannot recommend it uh, more highly. Uh, it, if you know this story, if you know the story of, of you know Jimmy Stewart and the other actors who uh, you know went to went to fight during World War II, so it's an amazing story. So uh, it's wonderful. Jimmy Stewart, just such a, a legendary American figure, and um, what people just don't realize is what he did during World War II, and it's a great story. So uh, it's worth checking out as well. So that is Mission: Jimmy Stewart and the Fight for Europe. So recapping our giveaways, and there are a lot of them. Uh, email us at gods at digigods.com. Deadline is December 4th. Make sure your emails get to us by December 4th. Put your name and your address in the body of the email. And in the subject line, make sure that you put them in as follows. Put Jason in for the Jason Bourne Blu-ray. Put Enemy in for the Close to the Enemy DVD. Put Mary in the subject line for the Murdoch Mysteries, A Merry Murdoch Christmas. Put uh, Edge in the subject line for sound-breaking stories from the cutting edge of recorded music on Blu-ray. Put Jobs in the subject line for the Steve Jobs documentary Blu-ray. Put Sunshine in the uh, subject line for the uh, DVD of Sunshine Superman. Or Song for the DVD of Sunset Song. Or the complete Mr. Selfridge on DVD. Put Piven, P-I-V-E-N. Uh, For the uh, Legend of Bruce Lee, the first 10 episodes of that amazing series, put Bruce 
in the subject line. And for Bill Gaither's Homecoming Hymns, wonderful box set for the holidays, put Bill, B-I-L-L, in the subject line. Uh, send it all to gods at digigods.com. And with that, Mark, I will let you go to your party. There had better be the, the, the one, the, whichever Ryan is in La La Land, I yeah. want to see him, and I want to see Emma Stone. Yeah, I know you do. And you know what else will make a really, really great party for you? Free food? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny little tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly So I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Though it's been said many times, many ways Merry Christmas to you Love and joy come to you And to you your carol too And God bless you and send you A happy new year And God send you a happy new year